Hello and welcome back to Ethically Sourced. I'm Stephen, your friendly neighborhood anesthesiologist and clinical medical ethicist. This week, we're going to be talking about a hot button issue that's been in the news recently. As always, it is my hope that by generating discussions on clinical medical ethics and culturally competent care, that we can have a positive impact on the lives of patients that look like us. I'm going to be looking at a couple of articles and some recent news clippings uh, about vaccine passports, where we are right now, and where we could potentially be going in the next couple of weeks. I actually had some feedback from some listeners, and they recommended getting you or allowing them to be more involved in the show. So I actually put a quick poll on my Instagram, Stephen Bradley MD, as well as on the Black Doctors Podcast Instagram and got quite a few responses. Um, these, this concept of vaccine passports definitely hit a nerve. Some of those responses, uh, Dr. Simpson saying this is necessary. Um, SP Murphy says it depends on how they set it up. This could be a slippery slope. Someone says they'd do anything for normalcy. Some Dental chimed in, if it allows me to travel freely again, I'm with it. My chronic pain life said that they should be required to go back from normal, no vaccine, no lifted restrictions. Uh, my buddy Jake, he says he's not a huge fan personally. What are my thoughts? Dirty Medicine Man says he's conflicted. Um, C. Pitts says this is a prime example of government overreach. DM Kush says absolutely not. Not is in all caps. Someone says, no, I'm vaccinated, but the folks I want to fly out to me might not be city boy life for life. Um, Someone brought up a very good point. Won't this just further marginalize groups that are already hesitant against the vaccine? Thank you, uh, JL Horseman, for that. Uh, Very good comment. Stephanie Harper says, helpful for opening back up safely and eventually safer travel. And then uh, Brooke McConan, a fellow Howard alumnus and soon to be internal medicine resident at University of Chicago, he says there is a historical and legal precedent for it, so I don't know why people are so surprised. And that's actually a great comment to start today's conversation. Some of the information that I'm discussing came from an article published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, again by Dr. Gostin, Dr. Jana Shaw and uh, Mr. Cohen, who's a lawyer. The article is entitled, Digital Health Passes in the Age of COVID-19, Are Vaccine Passports Lawful and Ethical? So as we know, these COVID-19 vaccination rates in more developed, higher-income countries are continuing to increase as time goes by, and different government systems are proposing to start putting out these digital health passes, a.k.a. vaccine passports or certifications. Already, Israel has a Green Pass smartphone application that people are using to gain access to gyms, hotels, places of entertainment. The EU or the European Union also plans to implement a digital green certificate that allow free travel between members of the European Union. New York City itself actually has what's called the Excelsior Pass. They're working with IBM to roll this out, which would confirm vaccinations or a negative SARS-CoV-2 test status. 
and would do so through a confidential data transfer. And the goal would be to fast track businesses reopening. So obviously there are some benefits of these digital health passes. However, there's also some scientific challenges. And then there's the issue of whether these vaccine passports are lawful and ethical. So some of the benefits of these digital health passes, obviously over the last year, we've lost you know, a lot of the economy, mental health has suffered, people have physically suffered from the effects of COVID-19. These digital health passes would offer a way to regain some of that health and economic benefit that we've lost, especially as we wait for herd immunity to be established. They can help allow a safer return to a more normal life. Folks would be incentivized to get vaccinated so they can get their digital health pass and resume some sense of normalcy. This would also allow a gradual reopening of the economy in different sectors such as food, entertainment, travel, retail, with uh, fewer restrictions. If the public feels safer, they're more likely to restart recreational and commercial activities. And these digital health passes do offer a somewhat less restrictive means to relax some of these COVID-19 measures that have been implemented for over a year now. When it comes to the scientific and technical challenges of implementing these digital health passes, so we know there are roughly six SARS-CoV-2 vaccines that are available to members of the public in different countries, different hemispheres of the world. The effective rates of these vaccines range from about 65% to 95% in preventing symptomatic COVID-19 based on the clinical trial data that we've seen published so far. From a scientific perspective, each vaccine could have, they have this variable effectiveness against the SARS-CoV-2 strains that are currently circulating. We know that these viruses mutate, there's gonna be future strains. There is a fair amount of variability in the effectiveness of these vaccines and their usefulness, uh, therefore, of the digital health passes. So if these digital health passes were limited to only certain vaccine products, so you had to get this specific vaccination to qualify for this vaccine passport, this would certainly exacerbate inequities based on access to different vaccines. The duration of protection that you get from these COVID vaccines is still unknown. We're probably about to hit a year since the first couple of studies started. So we'll probably have at least a year's worth of data with this round of vaccines in terms of how long immunity lasts. From previous coronavirus infections, such as uh, 2002-2004, the SARS-CoV-1 outbreak, there was some protection for one to two years. And we know that there have been some instances of SARS-CoV-2 reinfections, although those have been rare, fortunately, thus far. So there's limited evidence of this vaccine-induced immunity beyond the clinical trial follow-ups that are currently ongoing. We will continue to learn more about the length of vaccine immunity provided as they continue to follow up with these clinical trial participants in these studies. So these digital health passes, at the very least, it should include probably the type of vaccine that was administered and the dates of the vaccinations, the dates they were administered they can determine an expiration date once we figured out how long these uh, vaccines work to protect us from SARS-CoV-2. 
There's also a great deal of uncertainty about how well the vaccines work to prevent acquisition or acquiring or transmission of SARS-CoV-2. There's some emerging evidence that suggests vaccines do significantly reduce asymptomatic infection and spread, uh, but we definitely should continue these non-pharmaceutical interventions until herd immunity is achieved. And this is just talking about the U.S., you know, because we have to worry about the world at large as we seek to open up internationally. There's also technical challenges associated with digital health passes. So what is the authentication of your vaccine status? The U.S. is a little different. We tend to do things differently. Unlike other high-income, well-developed countries, the United States does not have a national immunization information system. Um, other countries have one that's more robust, that's confidential, secure, population-based digital database that records all vaccine doses. We love our freedom in America. We, we don't have this system yet. So some states do have this uh, data, and they're responsible for coordinating and compiling this immunization information systems. However, there is a great deal of variability among the states in how well this information is, is acquired. These vaccination facilities need to ideally report vaccine administration to the appropriate information system within 72 hours. So one issue would be how do we prevent people from falsifying the information of their vaccine status? We know that schools and colleges, they already have a system in place where they can authenticate and enforce immunization status through different standardized forms. It's paperwork, it's not really in a system that communicates with the state and definitely not within um, the, the country at large. But I'm sure there's some companies that are out there working to develop these technologies to compile this data securely. Brings us to the next question of, are digital health passports lawful? So when it comes to the public sector, the government has power to validate and monitor vaccination status while requiring proof of vaccination for access to certain privileges. International law forums pose fewer restrictions on digital health passports. The International Health Regulations, which was signed by 196 countries, grants wide discretion to exercise evidence-based public health powers. And Article 31 of these regulations specifically allows governments to require a proof of vaccination or other prophylaxis. Annex 7 of this document authorizes the yellow fever vaccination certificates for international travel. So if you didn't know or if you knew and you forgot, for many countries in um, South America and Sub-Saharan Africa, there's always been essentially a vaccine passport required where you need to receive your yellow fever vaccination prior to entering that country, and you have to show documented proof before you're allowed to enter. So the precedent's already been set. Now, some people may say this vaccine for yellow fever has been around for 80 years. We know how it works, and that's a, a valid point. But the concept of vaccine passports has been around for quite some time. In the United States, individual states have the primary control of their public health powers. States already have conditions for school entry based upon proof of vaccination. During the COVID-19 pandemic, which is still with us, states and localities have required masks and social distancing in certain venues, and they could definitely authorize or require digital health passes 
authenticating vaccination status either through public or private platforms. The president has a broad power to require vaccinations for entry to airports and the federal buildings and land, just as uh, we've seen mask mandates come from the White House as well. A federal digital health pass system would likely require an act of Congress and uh, a clear necessity to prevent the interstate spread of infectious disease. There would also need to be some funding allocated for states to set up these systems and to gather this information and this data. Government-mandated digital health passes must also navigate constitutional and civil rights constraints. And while the Supreme Court grants public health agencies wide discretion, it is more protective of First Amendment freedoms, including those of religion, speech, and uh, assembly. So there is obviously a lot of issues with the COVID-19 public gathering restrictions when applied to houses of worship. There is a separation of church and state. So there would be a high level of scrutiny if they were to prevent unvaccinated individuals from attending religious services or infringed upon other constitutionally protected rights in lieu of digital health passes. When it comes to private sector digital health passes, the private sector has an interest in ensuring their employees and customers are safe and vaccinated. It facilitates return to normal activities and normal business uh, dealings. There's also some liability involved with protecting your customers and your employees. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission issued guidance on SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations, which applies to any vaccine approved or authorized by the Food and Drug Administration, suggesting that employers could require vaccinations even under an emergency use authorization. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission allows employers to require SARS-CoV-2 vaccination to return to the workplace, thus ensuring employees do not pose a direct threat to health or safety. U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has on their website a, an entire document, What You Should Know About COVID-19 and the American with Disabilities Act, the Rehabilitation Act, and other Equal Employment Opportunity laws. And it's uh, very robust. It's been updated and answers a lot of questions that you may have. I'll include the link in the show notes. So employers also can use digital health passes for proof of vaccination. Businesses can require employees to provide proof they've received a COVID-19 vaccination. Requiring proof does not violate the Americans with Disabilities Act or the Genetic Information on Discrimination Act. However, employers should caution employees not to provide any medical information as part of the proof. So how you distinguish medical information from um, proof of vaccination, I mean, that's kind of medical information, but I digress. Digital health passes also would be unlikely to violate privacy laws, including the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA, as we know all too well in the hospital setting. Employers typically are not covered entities under HIPAA regulations. Digital health passes could actually be advantageous because they provide proof of vaccination without sharing any other pertinent or sensitive medical information. As a quick refresher, when it comes to covered entities and HIPAA, though the privacy rule only applies to covered entities, and those include health plans, healthcare clearinghouses, and healthcare providers who electronically transmit any health information in connection with transactions for which Health and Human Services has adopted standards. So 
place of employment technically does not fall under HIPAA parameters. Although employers may require proof of vaccination, they must abide by civil rights laws. So employers, whenever possible, should afford persons with disabilities a reasonable accommodation, such as possibility of telework. Employers should provide reasonable accommodations to individuals who hold sincere religious belief, practice, or observance. So however you define that, you know, that's potentially a loophole for people that um, don't want to take the vaccine or for people that have sincere religious beliefs and practice and observe those beliefs. Ultimately, the courts are going to need to decide, you know, who and what has legal authority to, to do this. Um, but some states are considering prohibiting the private sector use of digital health passes. When it comes to the ethics and equity of the situation, as long as there is a scarce supply of SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, digital health passes would unfairly exclude individuals who cannot access the vaccine. Once we have enough vaccines for everyone and there's open access, there is a strong ethical justification for digital health passes. And it's designed to create safer environments to work, shop, travel in, and these would represent a less restrictive alternative to the current public health measures that are in effect. Unvaccinated individuals have no right to impose this risk on others, thus impeding a return to normal activities. Digital health passes must be fully and equally available to all members of society, including those uh, disadvantaged among us. Individuals who cannot be vaccinated for medical reasons also should not be excluded from these digital health passport privileges. We should also be granting consideration to people who are exempt for these religious, conscientious, or medical reasons. As we know all too well, healthcare disparities based on race have been a persistent challenge throughout this pandemic. Black and Hispanic individuals in the U.S. have had significantly lower uptake of SARS-CoV-2 vaccine compared with the overall population. Um, this article states that racial minorities' historic distrust in the health system should not disqualify them from economic and social opportunities. However, I would rephrase that by saying that the health system's history of abandonment, neglect, and mistreatment of people of color should not penalize these groups from receiving the vaccine as well as digital health passes. Governments should apply adequate funding for community-based outreach programs to encourage and facilitate vaccine uptake in previously neglected communities. Governments or even airlines could soon introduce vaccine passports, which would facilitate international travel. However, requiring proof of vaccination as a condition of travel would definitely burden most low and middle income countries, which may lack adequate doses to fully vaccinate their populations for the next several years. Approximately 70 countries have not even begun vaccination campaigns, including most countries in sub-Saharan African nations. COVAX, uh, C-O-V-A-X, is the global vaccine facility and they aim to vaccinate only 20% of lower income populations by 2020. So we definitely have a long ways to go. To add insult to injury and to increase the level of unfairness, high income countries like my own have contributed to supply scarcity by signing advanced purchase agreements with vaccine companies. 
These high-income countries could help ameliorate these inequities through funding and donating vaccine doses to COVAX while building manufacturing capacities in low- and middle-income countries uh, to facilitate administration of these vaccines. Digital health passes could become an important vehicle for a rapid return to commerce, recreation, and travel. However, to ensure a success, they must be scientifically well-grounded in the least restrictive alternative. Above all, digital health passes must be administered equitably, ensuring everyone has a fair chance to return to this normal life. We'll be continuing to monitor this situation. It's definitely in headlines all over, uh, especially with the White House making a statement today or yesterday about uh, basically rejecting the concept of, of government-mandated U.S. vaccine passports. Situation is continuing to develop, so definitely uh, continue to, to listen out for new developments. What do you think about vaccine passports after listening to this episode? Did this change your mind and for, for better or for worse? Did this answer any questions you might have? What other questions do you still have? Please feel free to drop a line. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please go ahead and subscribe. Please share with somebody you think is interested in this subject. Um, go ahead and visit us on iTunes. Leave a rating and a comment to show your appreciation. Uh, thank you all for contributing the great perspectives and input that you had via Instagram. That was a lot of fun and I'll definitely uh, plan on doing more of that in the future so we can all get involved and have this dialogue together. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Ethically Sourced. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast. Please comment and rate us on iTunes. Also, if you want to follow along, the Black Doctors podcast is on Instagram, and you can also find us at www.theblackdoctorspodcast.com. We truly hope that you can apply everything we've just heard for the benefits of our patients.